This is Scott Bakula, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett led an elite group of scientists into the desert to develop a top-secret project known as Quantum Leap. Pressured to prove his theories or lose funding, Dr. Beckett prematurely stepped into the Project Accelerator. blink of a cosmic clock, I went from quantum physicist to Air Force test pilot, which could have been fun if I knew how to fly. Fortunately, I had help. An observer from the project named Al. Unfortunately, Al's a hologram, so all he can lend is moral support. Anyway, here I am, bouncing around in time, putting things right that once went wrong. A sort of time-traveling Lone Ranger with Al as my tanto. And I don't even need a mask. Listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is Episode 1 Genesis. He's leaping! Sandy said no, but Sam's leaping! He can't leap, we're not ready. Tell Sam that! Everyone seemed to think it was 1956 and that I was an Air Force captain named Tom Stratton with a wife called Peg and one and two thirds children. Evidently, my best friend was the officer behind the wheel. Captain Burdell, who everyone simply called Bird Dog. Ain't this a kick in the butt? What's a nerd? You're a part of a time travel experiment that went a little caca. I can't fly. I'll be your copilot. You're a hologram. I'm also an ex-astronaut. The hardest part about flying is taking off and landing. The B-50 does the first part of that for you. After that, you just fire a couple of rockets, hang onto the stick, and cause a zoom. I'm in a real identity crisis here, Al. I mean, one minute I'm Tom Stratton, and the next time a ball player named Fox. I love you, Dave. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Albie. And I'm Heather. And we're going to be taking you through the entire series of Quantum Leap, the science fiction show that started in 1989 on NBC and ran five seasons. So it's going to be quite a journey. I'm excited. What are your first impressions of the show? Um, it's definitely a different concept. I really I really liked the pilot episode, and I'm looking forward to watching the rest of the show and seeing how this plays out, because it's definitely a different concept and definitely a different type of show. I watched the show when it originally aired, episode by episode, week by week. So I have seen it all before, but it's been a long time. So I do remember certain things. I remember how it ended. I won't spoil it for anybody. I have the perspective of seeing it all at least once before. And I'm sure I've seen a few episodes more than once, you know, repeats on the sci-fi channel or whatever. I was 14, I want to say, when it premiered. I was very impressionable at the time. And uh, I really fell in love with the show, the characters. And they were very real for me. And I couldn't wait to tune back in week after week. Heather, how old were you when it premiered? I think I was like three or four months old. So did you watch it originally? Uh, possibly. Probably not, but do possibly. Do you remember any of it? Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, this is all brand new to you, right? Yeah. So for our listeners that are watching along with us, Heather will be right there with you seeing everything for the first time. Mm. Well, I guess we should start at the beginning with Genesis. Could you read us the episode recap, Heather? Sure. Season 1, Episode 1, Genesis Part 1 and 2. 
original air date March 26, 1989, written by Donald P. Belisario, directed by David Hemmings. Al Calavici is driving along an isolated highway in the New Mexico desert. He stops his car to flirt with an attractive female standing at the side of the road and offers her a lift. The woman notes distant blue flashes in the sky and remarks that this was the same location where the first atomic bomb was tested. Al attempts to distract her attention until he is interrupted by Gushy, who frantically informs him that Sam has stepped into the accelerator and is leaping. Al says Sam cannot do so, as the project isn't ready. He warns Gushy not to interfere with the process, as this could kill Sam, and races back to the project. Sam awakens in the year 1956, suffering from total memory loss. He is confused to discover that his name is Tom, and that he has a pregnant wife named Peg, and son named Mikey. He is further shocked by his reflection in the mirror, which he insists is not him. Sam begins to convince himself that he is dreaming, and that as long as he goes along with the dream, he will soon wake up. Sam further discovers that his complete identity is Tom Stratton, an Air Force test pilot, and that his best friend is Captain Bird Dog Burdell, a cocky, womanizing pilot. Burdell pulls over to the side of the road to chat to an attractive young woman and brags about how he and Sam are the only pilots brave enough to fly the X-2. Sam tells Burdell he cannot fly, but Burdell thinks he is playing a gag and decides to go along with it. When they reach the Air Force base, Burdell and the other pilots pretend that flying has affected their memory, convincing staff doctors Ernst and Berger to conduct a research project studying the matter. Al shows up as the meeting disperses, but Sam does not recognize him. Sam and Burdell suit up into their pilot outfits and prepare to take off. Sam notices Al standing at the back of the plane and asks Burdell if everyone on board is secure. Burdell looks around but cannot see anybody. Burdell leaves Sam alone in the cockpit and Sam begins to panic, unable to steer the plane. The plane spins on its side and begins to descend. Burdell returns to the cockpit and resumes control. Sam insists he cannot fly, but Burdell is still convinced that he is joking. A third pilot, Tony, enters the X-2, which is lowered from the plane Sam and Burdell are piloting. Tony intends to race the X-2 up to Mach 3. However, before it is able to reach the desired speed, the X-2 spins out of control and prepares to explode. Moments before the X-2 erupts into flames, Tony is able to eject and safely glide back to land. That evening, the pilots and their spouses socialize at a local bar. Peg notes that Sam is uncharacteristically quiet and is puzzled when he asks her to dance, something Tom cannot do. Sam notices Al yet again, standing at the other side of the room. Sam asks Peg if she can see him, but she is unable to. Sam realizes that Al must be the key to finding out who he really is and approaches him. He asks Al if he is dead and has been reincarnated as Tom Stratton. Al cannot believe that Sam has no memory of who he is, though when Al calls him Sam, he knows that that's his real name, but nothing more. Al leaves the bar and walks outside, disappearing into thin air through an invisible door. Driving back home, Peg is worried about Sam, as he is behaving oddly. Sam tells her he is not Tom Stratton, and that he is not a pilot, nor does he have any recollection of her or Mikey. Peg becomes upset, and Sam decides to recant his confession, pretending that, in fact, it is all a joke he is perpetrating. Peg is relieved, but Sam remains unsure of what to do. Sam awakens in the middle of the night and recovers a portion of his memory. 
He recalls that he grew up on a farm in Elkridge, Indiana, with his parents and sister Katie. He also remembers that his father died in 1974, but that being 1956, his dad must still be alive. Sam attempts to phone his family, but he cannot remember his last name, thus is unable to reach them. Mikey enters the room carrying a fishing rod and reminds Sam that they had a fishing trip planned for the day. Sam takes Mikey fishing and while leaving him to fish further upstream, encounters Al again. Sam tries to touch Al, but his hands go through him. Al explains that he is a man in the present day, but appears to Sam as a neurological hologram. Al also explains that Sam is part of a time travel experiment that went a little caca and that he has traded places in time with Tom Stratton. He says Ziggy attempted to retrieve Sam in the morning, but Sam was unreachable. In order for Sam to leap, everyone in this time zone must believe that he is Tom Stratton. Ziggy will next attempt to retrieve Sam on Tuesday. However, this is problematic for Sam as he is scheduled to fly the X-2 on Monday. Sam is enjoying a family barbecue with friends. He notices that Peg appears nauseous, but he insists that she is fine. Sam is called away and summoned to the Air Force Base, where Dr. Ernst and Dr. Berger have designed a memory test questionnaire for Sam to take both before and after he flies the X-2, so they can gauge whether flying is affecting his memory. Ernst and Berger muse over whether their test will turn out to be a monumental discovery or a monumental joke. Sam is walking around the hangar at the Air Force Base, inspecting the X-2 he is scheduled to fly on Monday, when Al appears. Al explains to Sam the string theory of time travel, how the imaging chamber functions, and who precisely is controlling Sam's leaps, an unseen force, whether it be God or time or fate. Al also tells him that Tom Stratton was killed while attempting to fly the X-2 to Mach 3, so all Sam has to do to leap is survive the flight. Despite Sam's reservations, Al assures him that he was once a pilot and he will help guide him through the entire exercise. Sam begins to accept the plan. As Monday arrives, Sam returns to the Air Force Base to submit his memory test. Doctors Ernst and Berger inspect the submission and find that it is filled with bizarre answers that suggest Sam is from the future. The two conclude that the entire memory loss theory was simply a joke all along. As Sam steps into the X-2, he becomes nervous as Al is nowhere to be seen. The X-2 is lowered from another plane and launched into the sky. Sam starts to panic and attempts to tell his operators that he cannot fly until Al shows up and instructs him on how to steer the X-2. As it starts to speed up beyond Mach 1 and Mach 2, the X-2 begins experiencing turbulence. The warning light flares on the instrument panel, informing Sam he has a fire. Al urgently tells Sam to eject. Moments later, the X-2 explodes in the sky and the debris crashes to the ground. The sound of the distant explosion shocks Peg, who is in the kitchen of her home, worried for her husband. Sam, however, managed to eject from the plane in time and floats safely to Earth with a parachute. An entire crew of Air Force paramedics rush out to collect him. Sam is frustrated that despite accomplishing his mission, he has still not leaped. Sam is taken to the hospital, where he is told that Peg went into premature labor after hearing the X-2 explosion. The hospital doctors tell him that once labor begins, it cannot be stopped, so that the baby will need to be delivered prematurely, even though it is unlikely to survive. Sam, remembering that he has medical knowledge from the future, knows this notion has been proven false and instructs them to administer an alcoholic solution intravenously to Peg. The procedure works successfully. Peg is inebriated and the labor stops. 
Sam gives the thumbs-up signal to Mikey and Burdell, assuring them that Peg and the baby are okay. Then suddenly, he leaps. Sam finds himself in 1968, having leaped into baseball player Tim Fox. His team is playing the final game of the season, and according to Al, they are destined to lose. Sam asks Al why he didn't leap, but Al and Ziggy are still unsure. Sam now knows, however, that he is a medical doctor. Al tells him that, actually, Sam holds six doctorates, his specialty being in quantum physics. He reveals that Sam is the architect of the project and the only one who can figure out how to get himself home. Sam is despondent, as he can't even remember his own last name. Al tells him it is Beckett. Armed with this knowledge, Sam is able to phone his home in Elk Ridge, Indiana, and have a tearful conversation with his father, John Beckett. Sam now realizes that his ability to travel in time is a gift and ponders what greater things he might be able to accomplish in his travels. As Sam returns to the field to bat, the coach tells him it is his last game and he is badly hoping they will win. Sam is now determined to change history and win the game. Sam does not manage to hit the ball, though due to unexpected fumbling and mishaps from the opposing team, Sam does manage to score on a dropped third strike and three throwing errors to win the game. His team cheers Sam as a hero, and Sam leaps. Thank you, Heather, for that. It was a really long one, but it was a double episode, so that's why it was so long, but very detailed. I like that. What are your thoughts on this episode, Genesis, parts one and two? Um, I don't really have any other episodes to compare it to. It's good so far. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of the show. So it was a good opener. But again, once I see more episodes, I'll probably be able to rate it a little differently because I'll know like what they're capable of. Uh, one thing I was worried about was, does this show look dated to you? Since uh, the 90s doesn't look dated to me, but I was wondering if it looked dated to you. Yeah, you think the 90s was 10 years ago. Yeah, I my generation has that problem. <laughs> I don't think it, it looks dated i think they did it so it wouldn't necessarily have a time frame i i originally thought there was no date dates and and it was not really made to look like it was a certain time period but they mentioned that his dad died in 1974 which means that he had to have been born around 1970 at least like what 1973 at, at most yeah uh 1953 he was born? Yes, he shares the same birth date as Donald P. Belzario, the creator of the show, mm -hmm. except they flip the year instead of 35 to 53. Well, but see, the problem is, is then you take Sam's age, so he's at least, what, like 30, because he's gone to college and gotten his bachelor's, so mm -hmm. he's at probably in his late 30s. So then you take that and you could probably figure out around what age he's, it's probably like... <laughs> already in our past yes uh, i think the near future where the show takes place is about the 92 93 time 89 no 92 well it wouldn't be that i'm just in numbers now <laughs> and 23 42 86 0.5 0.5 um but yeah so i i think that it probably takes place in the like new millennium 2000s probably because if you remember, it was like Y2K was a big, scary, bad thing. Yes. And so 
But everyone thought that the 2000s was going to be different, and it's definitely not. In the year 2000. What was that? Conan. Okay. The only thing for me that dates the show is the format, the full screen format versus the widescreen format. If it was made in widescreen, you know, for me, it looked like it was made today. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, I was kind of just looking at, at it from, I wasn't looking at it from the production standpoint. I was kind of looking at it from the, like, when the story took place. But the old footage, I think, because I think now we wouldn't use old footage either. The old footage of the planes, I don't think. Oh, the stock use. footage of the planes? Yeah. Yeah, I think they did that for budgetary reasons, probably. But back then, I don't think you could tell on a 25-inch television. Oh, I'm sure. But now in high def, you know, 50, 60-inch screen, it's very obvious that it was not filmed at the same time. Oh, yeah. Well, and it was okay. Like, my brain made it okay because they were in the 1950s, and it made me feel like they were... Like, real shots of the plane. I mean, obviously, any of them would have been real shots of the plane. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it made me feel like I was actually in the 1950s era because if they had somehow videotaped that, it would look all spotty and blurry and like that. So, Like, in the future, they found film from the past of what was happening and show, was showing it to us with the story almost. Yeah, like trying to tell the story, yeah, which isn't really what happened. But That's little tricks that I tell my brain to make it okay when I see something so noticeable when I'm watching a show. Well, and I'm sure that in standard definition, it's not that bad either. <laughs> but when you're watching it in high definition and you go from like high def, clear picture to like shaky, blurry, spotty stock film, you're yeah. like, oh. <laughs> um, if you watch it on like your phone or an iPad or something, it's not that bad. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But that's what TVs were back then. And you only watched it once. If you were lucky enough to have a VHS recorder back then... Then you could watch it again. But the quality on that was even worse than the original broadcast. So, yeah. you know, you you, you wouldn't see things like that. But well, at least it wasn't like the original Doctor Who where they just kind of we were like, yeah, we'll just record over this one. Yeah, at least at least somebody saved it somewhere, which is great. I'm glad it was made on film. That way they could upgrade it to high definition. So the opening to Genesis. Let's start at the opening. Do you think the blue hue, when they cut the first like scene that you see, do you think that is from the leap? Or do you think that that's just like a futuristic thing? Do you just think that's a futuristic thing? or Like the blue hue in the atmosphere? Yeah, because there's like above the trees. Mm -hmm. It's like light blue. I didn't think anything of it when I saw it. Um, thinking back, uh, maybe it's the... All the energy that it took to make Sam leap back in time, I'm not sure. I know they mentioned in the opening that they're in the New Mexico desert and it's where the near the site where the first atomic bomb blast was. So I don't know if that has something to do with the ability to time travel. Maybe some terrorism and time and space or something. Yeah. Or there, there might be a reason why they did it there. I'm not sure. Uh, later on, Al mentions that Ziggy said one of the possibilities is to be at ground zero at a nuclear blast to get home. So uh -huh. possibly, I don't know. It might be interesting to see if they bring that up again in future episodes. What is with the woman outside the car with the frizzy hair? She had like the worst hair I've ever seen on television ever. In my notes, I call her LED lady because she's got blinky lights everywhere in her shoes, in her ears. Yeah. And uh, I think that was just a bad wig. Maybe to cover oh. the wires going to the light bulbs in your earrings, because back then they really didn't have the, 
technology to make like LED earrings. So I'm thinking it was like Christmas tree lights <laughs> hooked up to, you know, orange extension cords duct taped to her head underneath a really bad wig. Yeah, because I don't think I for the entire scene I was staring at her hair trying to figure out why it looks so bad. I know it's not important. I, I'm aware that it's stupid. And if there's any guys out there listening to this, you're thinking I'm a total moron right now. And I totally understand your point of view. But why would you not have like a, a girl with nice hair? Like that was her, the point of her being pretty, wasn't but, it? Yeah, but in the near future, they might have bad hairstyles as a hairstyle. Bad hair is making a comeback right now. So I think the 80s are making a comeback right now. Hey, so this is the early 90s, so it should look very contemporary pretty soon. That's... But the reason I thought about the whole uh, extension cords and light bulbs and stuff is when she turns in the car to look to Al, she like turns her whole torso, like head and shoulders all at the same time. So she was probably like wired up or something. Maybe they don't have next in the future. She might have got an accident. That's why she was waiting outside her car and had a flat tire. That's why she wasn't wearing a seatbelt. The only thing that bothered me in that scene was uh, the ADR where her voice was definitely looped in. But uh, I found out afterwards it was actually Deborah Pratt, co-producer of Quantum Leap, who uh, did her voiceover. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. She's the same woman that in future episodes does what's called the Saga Cell and tells you all about Quantum Leap and... What happened? I think that's a fake word. Saga cell? Yeah. I think you just made it up. <laughs> it's a cool, cool word. That's what they call it on the Quantum Leap soundtrack. I'm just going to start making words up too. He leaps, right? We, we joined Sam mid-leap. Uh, Gushy is uh, calling Al and saying, Sam's leaping, he's leaping. And uh, what do you think of Sam leaping, you know, in the in the white leotards and, and the, the all the fire singers shooting at him? I think that's kind of a silly way to time travel because yeah. personally wasn't a flattering outfit. But I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't know. It, it looked fine. You can really see how flattering it was or whatever because it was fire extinguishers <laughs> flowing on him. Is that he said? A lot of CO2. I don't know. Some kind of special effect going on. He was in some kind of chamber mm-hmm. of some sort. Um, I don't know. I Well, I, I wasn't sure why he was in such a hurry, but then I heard the... Saga cell, the word you made up <laughs> to you know, describe the pressure to prove his theories or lose funding. He prematurely stepped into the quantum leap accelerator and vanished. But we don't see him vanish. No. Well, we follow him. Right. We go with him. Which is why he's not the person that we see. Like he, we see him, not the person he's in. Did you notice that when they rewind the time back on the clock? After he's leaped, I mean, after he supposedly, you know, leaps, you see a clock and the time's going backwards and then it goes to 4.59 and then it goes forwards again to five o'clock. There's a black dot in the bottom corner of the clock while it's going backwards and then disappears when it goes forwards. Like they marked it. You know, that bothered me like the fifth and sixth time I watched the episode. I was like a piece of dirt on the film. They couldn't clean that up in like post or something. Yeah, I well... It was too circular to be, I don't know. You're saying they put that there on purpose? To me, it looked like a Sharpie marker. It could have been. Just like to mark where they were going to do freeze frame or something? Well, because it, I don't know, it just seemed convenient that they were going to go backwards and then forwards. And in the backwards part, there's a dot on the film. 
in the same spot. Well, again, back then on a 25-inch TV, you couldn't tell probably there was a dot there. Well, yeah. Well, it's not It's not bad. It's not bad that they have a mark there. It's just, it's fascinating to look at because the video editing then is different than it is now. I mean, now it's so much more digital than it was then. And, and if you needed to mark a film, you had to mark the film. And what were we going to do? And cut it and splice it and then run it through and... Uh, copy it and stuff like that it was actually like a physical medium yeah when now it's well everything's digital now and yeah, now you just loaded all the footage into avid and then you edit away and they set a computer desk with 19 screens and and, and you can watch it on a 16 screen before you broadcast it so yes. you can catch stuff like that yeah and then you can photoshop it out if you want or something yeah. it out it's not a problem to me i actually found it more fascinating than annoying like you said a piece of dirt or something i didn't because I saw it as a Sharpie mark, I was like, I thought it was cool that I kind of got a glimpse into how they did it. Of course, I'm probably wrong, and it's probably just a piece of dirt. Maybe we'll talk to the editor at some point and find out. Hey, BTW. <laughs> 5 a.m. Was it 5 or 6? 5. It's definitely 5. What was that mark at 5 a.m. in the pilot episode? Um, I feel like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. You like I spilt my coffee and it kind of got on there. I sneezed and I was eating Cheetos and it just flew onto the film. That's why it was orange. He wakes up in the past, September 13th, 1956. Did you notice the song that was playing? I didn't. It was, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And the next line of that was, the future is not ours to see. That was definitely a good music twist. And then she sings that later when she's drunk. So it's kind of like bookend. Yeah, good bookends. Like uh, of that, that story, that particular leap, uh, she's singing the song. I don't know if it's because it's in her head because she heard it on the alarm clock. I'm thinking that was the song from the alarm clock. I don't know if alarm clocks did that back then. I would assume so. In, clock, well, in the yeah. 50s? I don't Radio? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And at the end, she's singing K Sarasara. So yeah. What do you think of Peg Stratton? She was cute. I liked her shoulder pads. They were kind of large, but I, as far as uh, pregnancy attire back in the 50s, I've heard from my grandmother that there wasn't very many options. You either kind of wore a tent or, you know, your old clothes kind of stretched. But yeah, I liked the, the tent she was wearing with the shoulder pads. It was very flattering on her. <laughs> um, but she was cute. I mean, she was, she seemed like a good wife and um, I liked her character. I liked that she spoke like someone who would have been in the 50s, like she's like, ah, Tom, sometimes. I mean, it, that just seems like something that you wouldn't say now. And I liked her talking about her stretch marks on her legs. I mean, it, it's it's funny to think that they had all the same problems that pregnant women have now. I mean, of course, we all think the same, whether it's different years, but whether it's a different decade, I should say. But she, I liked her. She was cute. Jennifer Runyon. She uh, played Peg Stratton. I mostly remembered her from Charles in Charge. She played Gwendolyn Pierce, the uh, girl that Buddy and Charles are always obsessed with. I think you made that up, too. No. It's, I've never heard of that. It's a real series. Charles in Charge. It had Chachi, you know, Scott Baio. I know who Chachi is, but I don't know. Again, I was like a baby. I was probably negative. Mm, possibly, yes. You might have been negative when Charles in Charge was on. Yeah. Wow. Uh, don't be so negative back then. <laughs> I couldn't help it. She was also breezy in the movie Six Pack, Kenny Rogers movie. I liked that when I was a kid. I watched that. No? No. 
Okay. But uh, I think she played a really good part in this episode. I mean, by the end of the episode, I really think they had formed a little relationship, Peg and uh, Sam in Tom Stratton's body. Well, I and I think that it was good for her, too, because, you know, when he took her dancing and the different personality, it was good for her to open her eyes a little bit. But um, I mean, also, besides the fact that he saved her husband and baby, but (laughs) (laughs) um, she, yeah, I can imagine living on a a base and being scared every time you hear the planes go and and being scared that something's going to happen to your husband or one of your friend's husbands or one of your close friends. Um, You know, that's got to be scary. Yeah. Every time they hear an explosion, they all run out and see if there's a parachute or not. I I don't know if I could live like that. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a choice. They just kind of moved along with, you know, their husband. But that's got to take a lot of courage. I, I liked the scene where she kicked back the washer. <laughs> it's cool. It's like a Kenmore. thinking about it. Kenmore washer. Like every time she did laundry, she had to push it back. Yeah. It's it's funny to, to see that because you it, moms are just kind of like that. They just kind of do stuff without even thinking about it. But I think her character was very important and she was very supportive of Tom slash Sam. But... I think that if my partner came to me and and said to me, you know, this is what's going on, I don't know if I would dismiss them as quickly as she did. But then again, he was a jokester and always played tricks and and that kind of covered that up. You know, that it it explained why she acted like that. But I want to say that I would have more of an open mind if something crazy happened like that. And my significant other came to me and said, listen... I'm not your husband. I mean, I would probably freak out, but I would I, I would want to say I would have a more open mind. I would at least be inquisitive and, you know, I like ask questions like investigate more, just not dismiss it. Yeah. Well, she just kind of like freaked out and shut down, which is kind of also a time period thing. I mean, women weren't really as verbal, not they weren't as verbal, I think, with their partners. I could be totally making ignorant accusations right now, but I want to say that the vision I have of the 1950s, women weren't as open with men as we are now. That would be my impression of the 50s also, but I don't know if that's true or not. Just what I know from the Donna Reed show, uh, you know, different different TV shows and movies from back then, but who knows if that reflected real life or not. Let's see, what, what else did I... When Sam slash Tom picks up the phone... And he's speaking to the operator. <laughs> I laughed because I, I have an iPhone and I have Siri on my phone. And it's funny because it was kind of like talking to Siri. It was like, that's mo- obviously what she was modeled after, like the operator. And you pick up the phone and you're like, I'd like to call so-and-so. Like, I didn't hear what you said. Repeat that. <laughs> we didn't live when there was operators that you called and, and said, hey, I'd like to talk to Tom down the street. You know, I'll just- connect you. Yeah, uh, dial mom number. did that when she was young. Hey, that's awesome. It, it worked totally different. Like it had a word and three numbers. Yeah, something. I don't. I don't get that. That's what it looked like on the phone. Like in, I don't comprehend. Like block Klondike three five seven. I don't know how that would get you anywhere. Well, your brain. Something about your brain can comprehend ten numbers at a time or seven numbers at a time. Certain. So it works out that the phone number is that long now. Well, he's trying to call his office at first to figure out where he was and what's going on. Well, that didn't work. But then he figured out if his dad's still alive, he could call his dad. Yeah. I think I would do the same thing if I woke up in the past and call my dad. I would call my dad. 
your dad's not here anymore? Nope. So I identified a lot with that storyline. And I think it was really good that they carried that through the whole episode through both leaps. Yeah. That was a really good uh, part of the story. Very good character development so early on yeah. in a pilot like that. What's so secret about an area code? I thought that was funny. Um, when Bird Dog picks them up and they're driving in the car, I realize there's no seatbelts in the past or future. <laughs> number one. And number two, he said, we're the only two guys brave enough to fly the X-2. And I'm pretty sure they are not the only two guys to fly the X-2. Isn't the X-2 the thing, the little, like, thing yeah, that they got? The test, the test. Pl- the, yeah, not the big plane that right. they fly. That it's like the little one. But, before. but, like, they don't even fly it at first. Someone else does. And I'm like, that's the third person right there. Um, well, you're forgetting the rule that if you're trying to pick up a woman, you can lie. It's not immoral. Very true. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that was a continuity error. I was thinking that that was definitely a pickup line. Yeah, he was a bird dog and he was trying to pick up a woman so he could say anything. Because he said when he, he was talking to her, that sonic boom you hear later will be dedicated to you. And neither one of them were flying a plane when it... So, you know, Which is funny because it was the guy that like she was staying at the guy's house or whatever anyway, right? Or That's what like I, I was led to believe. But it, it was a good pickup line because really a good no risk and then a big reward, you know, if she hears a sonic boom. So Yeah. That was cool. They played uh, Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, Elvis Presley. Yeah. Gotta love Elvis. So I don't know if it's just this episode because, like I said, I've only seen the pilot episode. But in this episode, there are clouds all the time. There's clouds in the opening. There's clouds. Like, there's just shots of clouds. Clouds play a big, significant part in this show, obviously. So I don't know. But in the opening, it's all clouds, like the music. I had a couple thoughts on that. One was it was filler. Maybe they didn't have enough to fill out a whole, you know, two-hour television movie, which is what this was at first. NBC, Night at the Movies, Movie of the Week kind of thing. The other thing, in um, when we first started th- talking about doing this podcast, I ordered every making of book on Quantum Leap that I could find. And one of the articles in the books talked about Donald P. Belisario wanted to do an anthology series. And uh, he had seen the movie Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty, uh, which is about, I don't know if you've seen it. No. It's about... Uh, Does that surprise you? <laughs> no, but I want to. I don't want to assume anything. <laughs> I'm always going to ask. Um, one day I'm going to shock you and be like, I've seen that one. Yes, yeah, like, I have what? seen Soylent Green, believe it or not. Nope. Not, nope. not even that one? Okay. It's about a guy that uh, gets pulled from his body right before he's about to get hit by a truck and die. So the angel pulls him out before he has to deal with that, and uh, he's dead. His body gets cremated, and he wasn't supposed to die yet. He was supposed to die 20 years from then. He would have got out of the way on his bicycle because he's a good bike rider or something. Uh, They have to find another body for him to go back in. So maybe the clouds have something to do with that. What he was thinking, I don't know. In the description of the show, they say controlled by an unseen force. So I think uh, it's not only a sci-fi show, but a fantasy show. I think they mentioned time, fate, or God is controlling his leaping, possibly, because there's some kind of X factor that's they don't know what's controlling his leaping where and when and why. So that might have something to do with it, too. Well, they also probably don't want to say... I don't want to offend anybody either way. Yeah, it was a good way to to say it, that something or someone has got something to do with his leaping other than just the project itself. So that might have something to do with the clouds, but probably mostly time filler and just uh, it also had to do with pilots. Can I say that? I love that a pilot of a TV show has to do with pilots. 
I'm upset and disappointed in myself that I didn't pick up on that because I feel like I'm smarter than like I should have. I should have put that together. I love pilots that have to do with pilots like the pilot of Lost. It had to do with a plane crashing and the pilot died and the pilot was Greg Grunberg. I'm high spoilers. It's the first episode. It's the first two minutes. Is that a spoiler? I don't know. Sure. Sorry. Spoilers. Sure. Why didn't they call it Pilot? I don't know. The movie was called Quantum Leap, but when they uh, renamed it for syndication, then it became Genesis Part 1 and 2. But originally, it was just Quantum Leap. They get to the Air Force Base, and Bird Dog decided to play a joke on Weird Ernie and Dr. Berger about them not remembering how to fly because... Sam is freaking out. <laughs> Sam's freaking out. He don't remember how to fly. And so he's like, oh, that's a funny joke. Let's pull that joke. So what do you think of Weird Ernie, Dr. Berger, and that whole group of pilots? Um, That guy's from something. Weird Ernie? Yeah. Why do I know him? Do you ever watch MacGyver? He was really big on MacGyver. <laughs> no. Really? MacGyver? Like, I know what that is, but no. Yeah, he had a buddy in the show. Like, I, I watched it originally, so it's been forever. But uh, a buddy on the show, and there was, like, some mysterious thing to him. Like, he was dead, but he kept showing up. I don't know if he was a ghost or he was just, like, in hiding. I I don't remember. But I remember when I watched Quantum Leap going, oh, that's the guy from MacGyver. Because back then when I was... That's the guy from that thing. When I was 12 years old, I watched MacGyver because I wanted, you know, if I was ever trapped in a situation, I wanted to know how to make a bomb out of bubble gum (laughs) and a paperclip. I thought you were going to be like, if I was ever caught in a situation, I wanted to know that he was from MacGyver. <laughs> He's from MacGyver. Can I go now? <laughs> yeah. His name's Bruce McGill. He's been in so many different things. Um, he's in Family Guy. He's in... That's where I know him from. <laughs> no, he's in the Cleveland Show. Uh, that's That's got to be it. Star Trek Voyager episode, Babylon 5. He was in Psych, an episode of Psych. And he's been in everything. You've been in everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. Hey. That's hey. uh, so funny. Yeah, he's been in like one episode of... But I thought it was funny that he had a metal plate in his head. Not that that was funny, but the fact that he always carried around something to hit his metal plate with. And that, that had a sound effect that every time he hit his head, it sounded like a hollow pipe getting bonked. It's like my, my injury. But he always happened to have something in his hand to hit his head with, so I thought that was funny. Dr. Berger and, uh, was played by W.K. Stratton. He appeared in four different TV shows made by Donald P. Belisario. He was in Magnum P.I., Airwolf, uh, Course Quantum Leap, Jag, Tales of the Golden Monkey. So, <laughs> so there's that. You never saw Tales of the Golden Monkey. <laughs> This is what we do when we podcast. We go through all the shows Heather's never seen because most of the people in my generation have never heard of them. But what's cool is that Don Belisario actually kept using this actor over and over again. He's even in NCIS, so he, he's in a lot of things that uh, Don Belisario makes. He plays. That happens a lot. Like when you know you have good people, you just keep using them. He's in a few more episodes of Quantum Leap as different characters, so we'll keep an eye out for him. I don't know where this falls in the story. Because, like, the only other note I have for the first part of the episode is that their son was hit by a bus. Wasn't that a weird... Hey, he was hit by a bus. And he was like, oh, right. And I was like, that didn't go anywhere. I have that written down, hit by a bus. And <laughs> she she actually says, Peg says to Sam, Tom, you haven't spent this much time with him since he was hit by the bus. 
<laughs> and the kid doesn't limp or anything. Yeah, like, and they didn't go any further into that. Like, either she was testing him and he failed and they didn't follow through. There was a deleted scene somewhere. My thought was the writer wanted to just have a kid hit by a bus in something somewhere. <laughs> so he put that in there. I think Donald P. Belisario was the writer. Yes. And but for some reason, the kid got hit by a bus. And it, it's odd. It just stands out like it has nothing to do with anything. But he got hit by a bus. It might have been lost in editing. There might have been another whole storyline where, you know, <laughs> he couldn't fish right because he had a metal leg or something. <laughs> I can't cast my line because my knee is not bone. But people do get hit by buses. I thought it was cool that he said it smelled like coffee brewing and she had the coffee pot on the stove and then the coffee exploded. Oh, I didn't connect that. He said it smelled like coffee burning, the first guy. And then when he went in, he's like, it doesn't smell like coffee. It sounds like coffee brewing. And she had coffee on the stove and then the coffee exploded. I wondered why the coffee exploded. Just different timing. It wasn't an effect of the sonic boom, was it? Or Yeah, it was all in the same time when the the... It was all during that. And then when he went to the hospital, she the coffee exploded. I'm pretty sure because it overheated because she was in labor. That's my. So she didn't she didn't wasn't able to turn the coffee pot down. I thought it was. I think she was having contractions. I thought it was a whole like uh, artistic view of the plane exploding and her water breaking at the same time. No, no. I, I think you're thinking way too just far. Just to turn it down. Well, I think she was in the middle of labor and she was preoccupied and forgot to turn it down. But like that seems really unsafe that she didn't turn it down because I'm thinking exploding shards of glass while you're standing in the kitchen is probably not safe. Not safe. I set a glass pan, like a, a baking dish on the stove one time and the stove was still, I think I turned the wrong burner on and I walked out of the kitchen and in a huge explosion happened <laughs> the baking dish exploded everywhere so that really happens well i mean it was empty because like if it's in the oven it's fine because there's stuff in it or whatever but i it was on a burner and i was trying i think it was heating up water for hot chocolate or something and i turned the wrong burner on and it was one of those like blue pyrex dishes and it exploded luckily i walked out of the kitchen because that probably would have hurt yes sam brings his son on a fishing trip so he's uh pretty much figuring he's gonna go with it yeah, like he didn't have to do that, so that was nice. Yeah, he's just trying to make everybody happy while he figures out who and where he is still, because he really doesn't know too much. Um, that's where Al talks to him and tries to explain a little bit to him. That's where Al finds out that Sam doesn't know anything. Question. Um, if, like, Sam seems like a nice guy. He wants to help everyone and everything. But he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know anything. Still, like, if you were a complete jerk, you lost all your memories. Do you... Like, do you think that you would stay a jerk? Or do you think that you would be a nice person if you started over without any memories? I think you would be a nice person. I think uh, memories are what makes your personality your personality. And if you lose them, you would be a different person. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that he was mean in the future. But um, I was just like, wow, he's he's being very nice to everyone, considering he has no idea where he is and... I don't. I didn't know if he was being nice because he's a nice person or being nice because he didn't know what else to do. Having the benefit of watching the whole rest of the series, I think he was just a nice person. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, considering he has to figure out how to save the day every time, which was a very 80s, 90s thing anyway, like how to save the day. Gotta put right what once went wrong. Try saying that. Yeah. 
So remember in the beginning how he woke up and he woke up with a clean shaven face, which I don't know any man who wakes up with a clean shaven face unless he hasn't slept very long. Um, But he goes in the shower and actually like goes to shave his already shaved face. So I don't understand that part. That bothered me a little bit until I realized that we're seeing Dr. Sam Beckett played by Scott Bakula. But nobody else is. Everybody else is seeing Tom Stratton. The only reason that we're seeing Scott Bakula is for our benefit to know who he is inside. But like the rest of the world sees what the mirror sees, which is the other guy, which, by the way, when he had the shaving cream on, he didn't have any whiskers either. Yeah. Well, they already had shaving cream on his face, so it wasn't as... It wasn't as noticeable, but you could tell. But, But what do you do when the actor shows up clean shaven? I don't know. Stop it. Just stop it. Come back tomorrow. Shave. <laughs> That's it. We're shutting down production. You failed. <laughs> so we see Sam Beckett, and uh, but only his consciousness is in Tom Stratton's body. So Tom Stratton's consciousness is in Sam Beckett's body in the near future. See, I don't get that. I feel like they're both, like, I don't feel like that's, but I, you explained it to me. Explain it to me again, because maybe I'm not the only one who doesn't understand that. Because I didn't get, like, after watching it, I didn't get that out of it. Like, I just assumed that, like, Tom was on pause. Well... Because I swear that's what he said. I swear he said that, like, Tom was on pause and that when he came back, he would be, like, the same age as he was or, what. like, no matter how long it took um, Sam to figure out... Because when they didn't know how they were going to get Sam back, they were like, you know, whenever you do leave, Tom will just come back in and he'll even he'll live even longer because he he's like paused. Uh, During the fishing trip, Al explains to Sam that Tom is in Sam's body in the waiting room. That's how they knew where and when to find Sam. So they have been interviewing him. Really missed that part. I don't don't know how because I watched the episode like four times. Well, that's another thing I have a question about is if Tom Stratton is in... Dr. Sam Beckett's body in the waiting room, why did he step into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanish? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Hopefully some episode in the future will address that. Right now, I'm just a little confused about that. So during the dancing scene at the bar, Mm -hmm. I thought it was really nice that Sam was really falling for Peg. And, uh, you know, he said, I don't know if I have a thing for pregnant women or she's just beautiful tonight, but I really am feeling amorous towards her and they really did start to fall for each other yeah and she started to fall for him all over again even though she thought it was her husband just because he asked her to dance which tom wouldn't do and he was just you know and he didn't talk about flying and he paid more attention to her than his friend treating her like a person and maybe her husband treated didn't treat her as such wonder how what happened when he went back Hmm, that'd be that'd be a cool show to see. Like follow up on Peg and Tom. What does happen when people come back in? Are they like, what just happened? Yeah, like I mean, obviously. Well, I was gonna say obviously he would know because he was in the quantum leap waiting room, but Sam didn't even know what was going on. So I have a like an impression of thinking that most people think they were abducted by aliens or something, or like a weird dream. Because if you don't remember it. Like, he was like, I don't remember sleeping with this woman in the beginning of the episode. So he believed that his life was his surroundings. So hopefully he still remembered how to fly. So the Ernst Berger Trivial Pursuit. I have a few questions for you. What was the coldest you've ever been? Um, I moved to Florida from New Jersey when I was 14. 
And my mom and I went back to visit and we forgot our jackets and it was snowing. So we were in like t-shirts and jeans coming from Florida, totally forgot our jackets in the car in Florida (laughs) and got off the plane and had to go through the parking lot to get my grandpa's car in the snow. And after you've lived in Florida, (laughs) you forget how cold snow is, especially without a jacket on. But I was so used to the warmth here. Like they say, like your blood thins out or something like that. Because I was used to the cold in the first couple of years I was here. I was like, this isn't cold. What is this? Went back. I was so cold. I was like, my bones were cold. I was so cold. Who was your second best friend in college? I think I only had one best friend in college who was the same best friend I had in high school, who is the same best friend I have now. And her name is Alyssa. Where did you first make love? Ew. <laughs> um, in some guy's room. I don't... Not, it wasn't exciting at all. Not exciting? No. Did you ever rent a video and microwave popcorn? Yes. Have you ever worn a miniskirt? Yes. Okay. So we'll ask you those questions again later and see if you have had memory loss due to podcasting. (laughs) So now we're into part two of Genesis. Sam's walking around the hangar and he sees Al and uh, Al's able to give him a little bit more information now, but he still can't tell him his last name. But he tells him the whole theory of that Sam Becca came up with of time travel, which is you take... Well, he says string theory, but that's totally different than what he explains here. He takes a string, ties the ends together, and then crumples it up in the ball. And he says every place where the strings touch each other, he can leap to that day in his own lifetime. So only when he's alive. Right. Like so only from the time span of 1953 on. From the second he's born to the second he dies, he can travel in time. So that means the past, the future, and everything in between. What's weird is that he's traveling into other people's bodies. Right. Because it's just his consciousness doing it. Because you would think like he could go back in his own life, but not. Maybe that's what they were going for, but it didn't work. But he said we did it. So did what? Well, he traveled in time. I mean, they did something. That is pretty cool. And he can affect things. Yeah. So what did you think of that theory of time travel? Um, I'm not going to say that I'm the smartest <laughs> in, in uh, time travel research. But, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I don't doubt a lot of things that I don't know about. Because it's hard for me to say. There's no way that that can make sense when there's so many things that don't make sense that are possible in today's technology and everything. Or any of the technology we have now. Like, the capabilities of things that we have. That it's hard for me to doubt string theory. Which wasn't string theory. In the 1989 I was going to say the 1980s, but it was kind of like the 1990s. Did they know what string theory, did everyone know what string theory was and they just didn't? People were talking about string theory, so that was a buzzword kind of thing. And so they co-opted that into this. Gotcha. They were like, string theory, anything with a string, that's a theory. (laughs) In my research, I found that the reason that Don Belisario wanted Sam to only leap within his own lifetime because he didn't want him to leap back into like Roman days, into a pilgrim, into gladiator. Yeah, just things that didn't seem realistic. He thought that it would be much more believable and much more realistic if Sam only leapt into the recent past, you know, in the 50s where there's like 57 Chevys and 
it's probably Rocket easier to music shoot. Music in diners, oh, probably too, yeah. And the costume, I mean, costumes to a point, but like, it's probably easier to shoot a 1950s theme episode than it is to shoot like a gladiator scene as far as the props and scene is cheaper probably and to get all that stuff right. Things are more readily available from 40 years ago than 4,000 years ago. Yeah. That's a good point. But he just wanted it to seem more realistic and it, it kind of works, I think. And I think everybody's more relatable to the past. And also, I think back then in 89, 90s, um, people, a lot of people watching it were alive in the 50s, 60s, 70s. So it might also be like a nostalgia thing. Like, oh, I remember bell bottoms, you know, that kind of thing. Which means that they had to be more accurate, too. Like, it had to be really accurate for, pe- for people like that. Because go back to the gladiator thing. Like, you, you also don't have to be very accurate in that time period. I mean, as far as history facts, but nobody's going to be like, I remember that and that was wrong. Yeah, nobody alive remembers how the sandals really were. Yeah. So what did you think of Peg's pregnant friends? I could totally, that was totally like a plausible thing. I think it's weird that they're all pregnant at the same time, but at, but it's weird when you, when you're pregnant, everybody's pregnant or when you have a baby, then everybody has a baby. So I guess it's kind of normal. I don't know. Is that like when you get a new car, all the cars you see on the road is the same car as your car? Seriously. I mean, if you're, it goes with anything. Like if you're single, everyone's in a relationship. If you're, you, you notice things more, but, um, I think back then, what else did they have to do? They were sitting on an army base. Yeah, drink coffee, have babies, smoke cigarettes, have babies, drink coffee, have babies. Yeah. I wonder if the caffeine had something to do with the uh, early labor. I'm not sure. I know alcohol stopped it. She didn't smoke, did she? No, I don't think so. I was just being... You're just being Back in the 50s, doctors recommend you smoke this cigarette if you're pregnant, you know? Because it's got more nicotine, better for the baby. But you weren't supposed to eat, like, salt. My grandma had to stop eating salt when she was pregnant. Well, they had a lot longer to research on salt, but it turned out they were wrong. Because I love salt. Yeah, salt sauce. It's kind of my fave. Her two friends, the one Lucy is played by Leela Ivy, and she's also in another episode of Quantum Leap coming up, so keep an eye out for her. The woman who played Sally, which is the dark-haired pregnant lady, was played by Lida Cornell. And uh, I most remember her from Too Close for Comfort. You remember Too Close for Comfort? Sure. We'll we'll go with this one. Because I... Sarah Rush. Yeah. Jim J. Bullock was in it. I don't even know those people. Like, <laughs> you're like, so this one time at camp, I watched this movie and it had, like, I there's no, I, I don't, I don't even think you're, I, I think these are fake movies. Anyway, she was one of the two pretty girls on Too Close for Comfort, so I recognized her. Is it a TV show? Yes. Hmm. TV show, Jim J. Bullock, Ted Knight. I don't know who these people are. He drew a cartoon of a cow cow, and he used a cow puppet when he... Never mind. What? Jim J. Bullock, Center Square. In the show, there was a cow puppet? Yes, that drew a cartoon of the cow. Really? And I, I'm, I'm being completely serious right now, and it sounds a little ridiculous. So he's flying at Mach 2. He's going up to Mach 3. This is uh, the other pilot. He's flying at Mach 2. He's going to go to Mach 3. He he smells coffee, right? Fire alarm's going off. And um, he goes, okay, I'm not going to Mach 3. He turns the switches off, right? So he's going Mach 2 something, right? And he goes, I'm going to circle around. And then Bird Dog goes, don't, don't turn above Mach 2. Don't per- turn above Mach 2. You would think that would be in the flight training where, like, he would know. Well, maybe he forgot. He just forgot that he was going so fast that he couldn't turn around. 
I don't know. There was a whole, whole mem- memory loss thing. No, it wasn't Sam. Oh, the memory was, loss. Was, oh, he did it because he was faking no. that he had memory loss. No, I'm sure he didn't do it on purpose. Um, I think he was panicking because the button was on. He thought the whole thing was going to blow up. So I'm sure he was in panic mode and just was like, I'm going to circle around. So he didn't tell me if I'm and, on fire or not. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he needed to circle around right then. I think that's why, because he thought he was on fire. I don't fly planes. I try not to. That's a scary thing. And he ejected at, like, Mach 2-something. Is that even safe? Like, if you... Well, it's better than probably blowing up. I'm sure it's (laughs) safe. (laughs) But, like, if you eject at Mach 2, I don't know. I would think you're pretty much staying... No, I guess you're going to Mach 2 also. You would have to eject really fast so you weren't like... I'm saying, you weren't (laughs) sliced in half by the rest of your plane, right? (laughs) I guess you have the same momentum going forward, but still, wind resistance and I don't know. It just seems scary. But I guess, you're like you're right, it's better than blowing up. Well, what I realized is I'm not very daring. I'm not a daring person. I mean, I go on roller coasters and I'm not afraid of going in planes and stuff like that. But when it comes to like brand new... Things like let's test the mock speed. I wouldn't be like, you know what? We don't know what's going to happen. So let me go up in this plane and test it. I would not testing products maybe, but but not testing airplanes flying at really high speeds. You never know if you go too fast that your DNA like comes apart and you start to de-evolve into a slug. I don't think that's what I'm afraid of. I'm pretty sure I'm afraid of dying. But uh, that's another that's another possibility. Um, sure, but I'm not afraid of becoming a slug. I'm more afraid of hi, the plane's gonna crash because I'm going too fast. But there was like this era of, I mean, I, I'm sure there's still people. Obviously, there's still people who do it now because you know space ex- exploration and, and whatever. But there's just an era of people that were like, we have no idea how this is gonna come out. Well, let's just try it anyway. Let's just throw as many people as we can on this and get to the moon. Let's let's throw as many people on this and fly Mach seven. Have they broken the Mach 7 barrier yet? I'm not sure. I I don't even... I don't really want to place this in time. Well, it. I mean, it's just... I don't understand why it's so important. Why to break the Mach speed barrier anyway? Mm, yeah, to go faster. But Just to say you could, I guess. Some guy with some ego somewhere. Like you said back then, what did you have to do? Sit around and drink coffee? It's not like we have really much to do now besides like... Well, I don't know. Sit on our smartphones. But. And Instagram, our Twitters. Well, I need to Instagram my food. <laughs> That's what I need to do all day. <laughs> it sounds like I'm mocking, but I totally do Instagram my food. I'm not really hungry, but I haven't Instagrammed in a while, so I'll make myself something to eat. For real. I am too much of a coward to fly. If I was Sam, I would call out sick. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a cold. I can't fly at Mach 2 because my nose is running. But Al says the way to leap is to is, is well, he didn't know that at first. That's true. He was just like, sure. He was up there. He wasn't. He wasn't in the X two himself, though. Yeah, but um, high. I wouldn't be flying a plane. I wouldn't be sitting in a pilot's seat chair in a plane ever if I did not know how to fly. And he's just sitting there when the plane's like going and rolling over. Wouldn't you grab... Try to steer something. Try, like, maybe he, your instincts... Wouldn't your instincts be like, let's not die? Uh, maybe he didn't remember all the airplane movies where you see how to fly something. Do you, did he maybe he forgot how to drive, too? No, Possibly. he drove. I think it's different. He drove. To, well, but I mean, like, if your car is going out of control, you're going to grab the wheel. As a habit, yeah, you would think. 
He's just like, whoa. Oh, boy, and now we're dead. Sounded so chipper, and then it was dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) The theory that Sam could leap home by flying the X-2 to Mach 3 and living was the way that they thought they could bring Sam home. But it turned out that that wasn't it. So we find out later why... He was actually there. And what was he actually there to do? He was there to make sure that Tom lived and the baby lived. And what did they name the baby? Samantha. Isn't that cool? That was cute. That was so I like that. He introduces the idea of Lamaz, you know, <laughs> the breathing technique. And he saves the baby's life, baby Samantha, by stopping or stalling premature labor. I guess back then, if you went into labor, you were having that baby no matter what. And they didn't think, you know, well, this lady over here is drunk and she's not having contractions. I guess that never actually yeah. happened. <laughs> I don't I think any drunk people usually or drunk women went into labor often. Hmm. Maybe they just finally figured that out. I thought that was really good that they switched up the reason he was supposed to be there. So maybe Samantha plays a part in the future. Who knows? Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. like Because now that she's alive and she's about the same age as him, I'm thinking ahead. It's okay. Because I'm maybe she's the lady with the frizzy hair. You never know. And what? the reason she has bad hair is because her mom used to drink to keep her ingestating. <laughs> My mom was a drunk. At the end of this leap, Peg says to Sam, I love you. And Sam says, I love you too, Peg, and kisses her. I really think he did love her at that time. Yeah. I think he really had a connection with her. They had chemistry and and I'm I'm surprised he wasn't sad when he leaped away like when he went to the next leap i'm surprised he didn't have like a moment where he was like huh you know it was a little interesting transition with uh, his son with the baseball and the glove and then he went to be a baseball player when he leaped I totally didn't think about that no you're so smart well just little things i pick up on sam leaps and he leaps into I have it. Tom, Tim Fox, Tom Fox, <laughs> Tim Fox. I don't know. Somebody Fox. Fox Mulder. Exactly. That would be cool. That would be cool to have a show <laughs> where like you would jump from like character to like they leap from show sitcom <laughs> to sitcom like character. It might happen. You don't know. They did a series of uh, promos on NBC for Quantum Leap when it was coming on. And Sam would actually leap into, like, uh, the weatherman on the Today Show. And he leaped into, I think, somebody on Night Court. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. Uh, if you want to see some of that old, those old commercials, a great place to go is Owl's Place. It's a really great Quantum Leap website. It's just a coincidence that you guys have the same name? Uh, I didn't make it, even though my name is Al. I didn't make it. It's Quantum Leap dash owlsplace.com there's a link to it on our page quantumleappodcast.com and it is just it's got so much information on all things quantum leap little video clips just really cool stuff I, a forum i just recommend going there for all your quantum leap needs except of course for your quantum leap podcasting needs then you go to quantumleappodcast.com but that's a really good place to see those old commercials I might have to check that out because that might be pretty funny. It's pretty cool. So Sam leaps into Tim Fox of the Waco Bombers. Which is kind of funny because he flew 
like the planes he flew were kind of like bomber planes. They were bombers. They were like B-2s and B-4s. B-50s. B-50s, B-52s. They were bombers. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I picked up on that like my third viewing. I was like, ah, bombers, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'd much rather play baseball than fly an experimental aircraft. So this not good at either one. No, me neither. But you know, if you get hit by a ball, you're not going to explode and have to eject or whatever. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I would be less scared to play baseball. Um, What did you think of this leap? Short. It was a short one. Short but necessary, I think. Yeah. um, It was cool that he got to talk to his dad. I thought that the dog was a cool element of it because I totally think that a dog would know if you were not you. Dogs are so in tune to your emotions and can sense when you're stressed. They'll, like, if you, um, they can get, like, neurotic from you having, like, a stressful life and, and things like that. Like, dogs are crazy in tune to their owners and their surroundings. So I would totally... I don't doubt it at all. I, I would I would totally believe that a dog could p- could pick that up. So I thought that was cool because I totally, totally believe it. I think there's uh, some kind of techno babble explanation for that, like dogs, children, and uh, certain... Whales. Yeah. Can <laughs> tell that... Sam- <laughs> well, I'm sure whales could probably tell that Sam's... <laughs> like, you're not Sam. Or you're no. not you're supposed to be. You're not Captain Ahab, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so silly. Yeah. I think it was necessary, even though it was a short story at the end, to let people know this is what the series is going to be. It's not about an airline pilot flying planes in the 50s. Because if you just w- had that one story, everybody would think, well, that's an interesting story, but every week you're going to be flying experimental aircraft. Yeah. Um, I totally thought that he was going to be there for a while. So did this uh, second leap help? Yes, it was definitely necessary because then he leaped and I was like, oh, huh, <laughs> I guess that's what we're doing. So I think that you're right. I, I, it was definitely necessary. Um, and I liked it. I, it was short and sweet. Um, I, he, fi- he, well, he fixed it. It wasn't a hard one to fix. But, you know, he figured it out fast and fixed it. So it's, it's good to know that some of them are, are going to be fast after the last one, which was at least a few days. Actually, I think it was longer than that, like a few weeks or something. I think from this point forward, pretty much each leap is an episode. Yeah, well, that that seems fair. Originally, they had planned to do a couple leaps per episode and then shorten the shows to half hour format for syndication. But the, that never happened. So they went with a full episode is pretty much a leap. Of course, we have two three-parters coming up. Those are really good. Well, I, I'm sure the ones that are harder to figure out are good episodes. I really like that um, he got to talk to his dad finally, like you said. Yeah. That was probably my favorite part of the episode, and I had put myself in his shoes. And he kind of says thank you to the universe or whoever's controlling the leaping for letting him do that. And that was nice of Al to give him his last name, to give him that last piece of the puzzle so he could call his dad. Yeah. There's nothing more heart-touching to me than a relationship between a guy and his dad. Yeah, well, you had a good relationship with your dad. And so you could understand, like... If you had a chance to talk to your dad again, I'm sure you would jump at any opportunity. And uh, I am I believe everybody watching that episode, probably not necessarily their dad, but somebody they wish they could go back in time and talk to maybe. 
So it, it has a good resonance and it gives uh, more weight to the character of Sam Beckett, I think. Yeah. Um, and it gave you a little bit of his background. Like it showed you his childhood home and the farm and how he was as a kid, which was pretty cool. Did you think that was a good decision to overdub Scott Bakula's voice in that young actor's uh, mouth there? I didn't notice that. You didn't notice it was Sam's voice? He's like, oh, Dad, the cow's about to drop. No. No. I think you've watched it a couple more times than me. Yeah, I've watched it like seven times. And you've read all the making books. That helps. Books. I'm the newbie here. You're supposed to know all the stuff. I, <laughs> I, I, always, I always pick up on ADR just because... You're a lip reader. I read lips, so that... I'm always watching somebody's lips when they're talking. It would be funny if you were if you couldn't hear and you were a podcaster. <laughs> the only deaf podcaster in my tribe. <laughs> no. I just I just read lips like uh for reassurance of what I'm hearing. It's weird. It's like a thing I have. Your line of work is very loud. Yes, very loud. So I, for my own safety, I have to make sure that I'm understanding what people are saying when I might not be able to hear them. Yes. So that's it's a habit I can't break when I'm watching television. I have a question for yes. you. Why is the computer named Ziggy? Do you know Ziggy the cartoon? <laughs> I feel like I failed this course. <laughs> uh, Ziggy was a cartoon. Like, I don't, like, not a animated cartoon that I know of, but in print, like Sunday morning comics. And, like, back then he was on T-shirts and bumper stickers and stuff, so I don't know. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I was thinking like a show. No. That's why I was like, I failed this. You never know, though. They yeah. made a Pac-Man cartoon show, so they might have made a Ziggy cartoon show. So you think it was just named after the cartoon? Yeah. And being that it's a computer, Ziggy is probably an acronym for something. And it's probably not spelled Z-I-G-G-Y. It's probably like Z-G-Y or something. I mean, it's probably like something silly. Uh, we could either A, go to Al's place and check it out. And find out why, go to Wikipedia, or we could just wait and see if it comes up in the show. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm not going to look ahead too much. I'm going to try to pretend that this is happening as we're doing it. So we have that little bit of mystery and finding out and figuring stuff out. Yeah, I'm going to keep all my questions to the end that if they didn't get answered, then I will go look up my answers. Apparently, the pitcher in this baseball leap was supposed to be somebody famous. Uh, Tom Seaver. I don't. I don't know anything about baseball, but he was a famous baseball player, and this was when he was in AAA. I, I know about as much about baseball as I do about 1980s television. Okay, so nothing. So there we go. When he leaps, Al says that Sam had been leaping around in time for about a week. So if Sam's leaping around in time and he doesn't get to the, there's a week between leaps. Who for that week? Who is in Sam's body in the waiting room? Is he I think just, he's just like a blob? Maybe that's why he vanished and then he reappeared. Appears in the waiting room. I don't know. We'll have to find out. My question is, where was he for that week? Where was his body for that week, and who is in it? Maybe when we talk to the writers, we can ask them. All right. We find out that Sam holds six doctorates. He thinks he's a medical doctor because he had all that medical information, but he's got six doctorates. A uh, medical doctorate is only one of the six, but I thought it was cool that he remembered he was a doctor even before he knew he was a doctor because when Peg wanted to dance, he sat her down and said, doctor's orders. Huh. He, he was like looking at himself like, hmm, maybe I'm a doctor. It's convenient that he's a very smart person because then he can figure out what they're doing. So um, I don't think we will wear shiny clothes in the future. 
I will wear shiny clothes right now. You would. You would. You have like orange pants though, and things like that that I with many zippers. Yes, that I don't think you should wear in public. All right. So shiny clothes, not really a fad right now. What do you think the writers would have would think if they knew that like the style was going to revert back to the eighties? Like, say, like, we're in their future now, which I think this kind of takes place before now. But, um, well, yeah, there's no, like, definitive year. But because I was just, like, noting on Al's outfits, on Al's outfits. They do get wild and crazy in the future, and they keep getting crazier. But if you, it's funny because the 90s view of the, or the 80s, 90s view of the future, it's like shiny clothes, hover cars, Like, all these new gadgets and all this stuff. Like, I mean, now all we think of in the future is the zombie apocalypse. But do you think the writers would have written people in 80s clothes if they looked at the trends of, like, clothing styles? Like, because bell bottoms came back. And, like, basically every decade just keeps coming back as far as fashion is concerned with a little added you know, personality to its own decade. But do you think that they would have guessed that the 80s clothes would be the future clothes? That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. No. Seems a little silly because it was filmed when these clothes were popular and now the clothes are popular again. So they could have just had their normal clothes and it would have looked more appropriate. I think at the time they were just trying to say, this is the future. Big flashing neon sign to Al going, he's from the future. He's in the future. Uh, he is in a tuxedo in one one part. He looked very dashing. The, I mean, I'm not to say that there aren't people who would wear shining clothes like you. I would fully wear would. shiny clothes. I can't so, wait to get to the one piece shiny metal jumpsuit looking thing. Those don't seem flattering. Everybody I, wears them in the future. I'm so glad that you're so sure about that. Yeah, when they start coming out. You actually have to have like a perfect body to wear a one piece outfit. So what are you saying? That I could not wear a one piece outfit. So I would, no. Totally. I would have to like invest in, I was seriously not fishing for compliments. I would seriously have to invest in some kind of corset or something. (laughs) But they're, they're flattering on people who have perfect bodies. If you've watched any television with people wearing one-piece zipper-up jumpsuits. They all look like they've been to the gym recently. Any last thoughts on Genesis Parts 1 and 2? I think we're good. I, we covered a lot. It was it was a good episode, and I'm it was a good opener. Next time, Sam leaps into a college professor in the 70s. I saw that. Does it go um, linear? Because like, so far, it seems like it's going linear. Al said that he leaped closer to his own time with this baseball leap. It was only a few years, but I think if they did go linear and each leap was closer to his own time, then it'd be a shorter show. Okay. Well, because so far, like 1956, he would have been three. Then the next leap, he was like 10 or like early teens, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like in the 60s and then 70s. I would say it goes back and forth. Okay. So far, it's just the pattern it's going. So far, it might go linear, but we got five seasons. Okay, uh, we'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor for this episode, audible.com. Audible is a really cool site. 
I'm actually listening to an audiobook right now called Bet Me by Jennifer Cruzy. And I signed up for my free month of Audible and got a free book. And um, it's really cool. It splits it up into different parts of the book. So it it can download, you can download like one part at a time if you're not in Wi-Fi. If you're, I mean, I have the app for my phone, but I'm sure you can download it on other devices or on your computer at home. But it's it's really cool. I, I'm very much enjoying using Audible. The, the app on the iPhone is really cool. You can use like button lists. So you like swipe to the left and tap and do things like that and has a little picture of the book and has a big pause button in the middle. I don't know. It's it's really cool so far. If you're into listening to podcasts, probably into listening to audiobooks, it's a very similar audience. I love audiobooks. The last audiobook I listened to uh, with Audible.com was 112263, the Stephen King novel about time travel, time travel <laughs> funny enough, and uh, the Kennedy assassination. Really good book. It was a really good audiobook, unabridged. It was like 30-something hours long. And I was riveted the whole time. Uh, you can go to our website, quantumleappodcast.com, and click the Audible banner to get your free 30-day trial. And that comes with a free audiobook, and uh, it's free. So uh, go to quantumleappodcast.com, click the Audible link, and sign up through that link. And then we'll get the credit for it, and that'll help out the show. Are there things we learned in this show that we're going to want to keep track of? Like how stuff works, why things work. Things I'm thinking of is like, uh, okay, it's only Sam's consciousness that leaps. Uh, The other person's in the waiting room. We know that. Okay. There's an imaging chamber at Project Quantum Leap that Al is seeing everything that Sam sees, but in a hologram format. And so Sam sees Al as a hologram. So like when he randomly opens a door that doesn't exist and walks through it, that's probably the real door in the... Imaging chamber, which I'm thinking is something similar to a holodeck. Yeah. We also learned that he has to fix the problem, the said problem, before he can leap again. So to make... Has to figure out what to do and then do it. Yeah. And it might not necessarily be what they think it is at first. Hmm. So it's almost like a little tiny mystery. What does he have to do? And um, see, we found out that Al is a ladies' man. Yes. In this episode, uh, I think three women, Tina, Martha, and Brenda. Wow. Yeah. And that's just in this episode. We have a contest at quantumleappodcast.com. If you go to our website. Quantumleappodcast.com. Pretty easy to remember. There is a contest. We're hoping that people want to be an interactive part of the show. And one of the ways to do that is to be in our first contest. The first eight people to send us an essay entitled What Quantum Leap Means to Me, the first eight people will receive an original Quantum Leap comic book, number nine. It's over 20 years old, and uh, all you have to do is send us an essay. If it's good enough to be read on the air, we'll read it on our podcast, and I will send you a Quantum Leap comic book. That's pretty cool. Yes. It doesn't have to be long. There's no, like, a minimum of words. It's not a fancy essay, but we just want to hear what, what you think. You can also just send us an email, what you think of an upcoming episode, or what you think of the podcast, or anything you want to send us. Quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. We also are accepting voicemails that we will put on the podcast. The phone number at Quantum Leap Podcast is 707-847-6682. 
give that number a call, leave a voicemail, and we'll put it on the show. We want to hear from you. It's more fun when we get feedback and we get to talk about that on the air. Makes it like we're interacting with you guys more. We are on Twitter and Facebook. You can get to those links, again, through quantumleappodcast.com. Uh, Facebook, we're Facebook slash Quantum Leap Podcast. Twitter, I believe we're at Quantum Leap Pod. So many different ways to get a hold of us. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how you can watch Quantum Leap. Yeah, because if you're listening to this, you should probably watch the episodes with us. Yes, if you haven't watched this episode yet, you're probably like, what are these people talking about? Hopefully we didn't spoil anything for you. It is available on Netflix for the most part. Not every episode of Quantum Leap is available on Netflix, but you can watch a lot of it there. It's like a teaser. The first pilot movie is not available on Netflix. Weird. It's available on Hulu. Um, I'd say Hulu or DVD is probably the best way to watch this show. They look nice on Hulu. Yeah, they're really high defy. I don't know if they are, but they're... Is that a word? I think so. I think you made that one up, too. I just made it up. They're really good quality. That's what we were watching on Hulu and DVD. And uh, just to see if there was a difference, I didn't notice any difference. But if you go to quantumleappodcast.com, we have a Hulu banner. And if you go through that banner, you can get a two-week free trial and watch every single episode of Quantum Leap from start to finish in two weeks and cancel. And it doesn't cost you a thing. See, there you go. But we have a subscription to Hulu. I, I love Hulu. Also, if you want to buy it on DVD, you can go to our store on quantumleappodcast.com. And uh, that'll click you through to Amazon, and you can buy it from Amazon. Doesn't matter how you watch it, really, as long as you do. Did you come up with any special trivia or goofs or continuity errors for this episode? Um, Let's see. How about this one? Which I noticed, but I thought I was just being crazy. Um, when Peg and Tom are doing the shower mirror scene, the head movements made by Peg are not the same as in the mirror. But I noticed that, and I thought I was being crazy. I didn't notice that at first, but... Towards the fifth or sixth viewing, I noticed it was very different. Head yeah. Yes. Like when she's like talking about how she looks fat and then they like pull away and they're looking at the back of her head. It's not the same. Because it's not a mirror, actually. It's a doubled room with a window in between and two actresses playing the same part. The shirt on Sam's reflection as ball player Tim Fox is not reversed. You can clearly see the buttons and capital B for the bombers on the right hand side. Yes. So that's, that is a goof because it should have been backwards, but it wasn't. Hmm. Um, early on, Al is seen by Sam in the back of the cargo plane with his clothing flapping in the wind, though to Al, his surroundings are nothing but a hologram, and thus nothing around him should have any physical effect on him, including wind. guess they were just going for the effect on that one. Yeah, he was, his tie and stuff was blowing around his scarf. I guess it shouldn't have been, huh? When Sam looks into the mirror to see the actor that he has leaped into, he is shocked and moves back, but the actor opposite him is delayed by about half a second. I'm sure that's going to happen a lot because I think back then they didn't really have uh, video playback when they were filming something. They just filmed it and then they watched it in dailies after it got developed. So by then it was probably too late to go back and reshoot for little minor things like that. Yeah. And like you said, on the small screen, it's yeah. standard def. <laughs> Wouldn't know. Um, and a continuity error. The shaving cream smeared on Sam's face looks nothing at all like the cream on his reflection face in the mirror. Hmm. Which I didn't notice that. But it's totally possible. Um, here's some more continuity errors. When Al is standing next to the jukebox, Sam walks over to the jukebox to make a selection. And when Al starts talking, his reflection is visible on the glass. 
Later in this episode, Sam is talking to Al at the sink of the dressing room at the ballpark. As Sam looks into the mirror, he says he thinks Al is a vampire, to which Al replies, neurological holograms don't reflect Sam. So a little bit of a goof up. I didn't see Al's reflection in the jukebox. Yeah. Maybe we're not as nitpicky as I thought we were. Yeah, there we go. So what was your favorite part of Genesis parts one and two? Not part one or part two, but what do you, what was your favorite part? My, I think the, my favorite part was when she's like, hey, flyboy, the squares are gone. Want a boogie? Because <laughs> that's what she says. Like she was hitting on him even though she was uh, just come out of labor. Yeah. <laughs> not not the best time, I'm sure. No. I, I really like the part where, like I said, he called his dad in that whole mini story arc in this episode. I was able to talk to his dad. So I don't really connect like. That's more what you connect with. That's probably because I've been pregnant that I can connect with that whole thing. It's probably just what you connect with that you that you find a favorite part of the episode. Very true. Hmm. I think so. Is there any overall morals or meaning to this episode that you could find? Most episodes of Quantum Leap have to do about serious subjects or there's a moral lesson to learn from the episode. There's a lot of them coming up. Did you see one in this episode? Um. I don't know. I think it was this one was just an overall do the right thing, I think, and take care of your family. And yeah, I didn't see any moral or lesson or meaning in this particular episode. This one pretty much for me was just about setting up the series. Yeah. So I think in future episodes, we'll have more to talk about, about morals and meanings and messages. It's probably more specific as it goes on, but this was just a general do the right thing. Are you excited for the next leap? Yeah, because I think I've watched this episode way too many times. I'm ready for a new one. <laughs> Wednesday, Sam leaps back to the 60s. It's psychedelic. And into trouble with a love child. I told Daddy everything. On Quantum Leap. In the next episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, we discuss the episode Star Crossed, where Sam leaps into a sleazy English college professor in the 70s with a special guest star, a very young and beautiful Terry Hatcher. Cool. I know who she is. Hey. Hey, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> seen Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman. Actually, I have seen that one. See what? Really? We're getting somewhere. Right. All right. And we have now graduated to the late 90s. Now. <laughs> so, Heather, back to the Burger Ernst personal trivial pursuit. Heather, what was the coldest you've ever been? Microwave popcorn. Um. Well, I guess podcasting has affected your memory or you're just pulling a joke on me. We will never know. That'll about wrap it up. For the first episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, I'd like to thank you, Heather, for joining me on this journey. Yes, thank you for uh, thinking of me as your podcast partner. Until next time, this is Albie. And Heather. We did it. Did what? You know, maybe this quantum leaping isn't such a bad deal after all. Getting a second chance to put things right, to make the world a better place who knows what I can accomplish before I'm done thank you for joining us for this episode of the quantum leap podcast Go to QuantumLeapPodcast.com to listen to new episodes. The Quantum Leap Podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal TV. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get behind-the-scenes information, exclusive content, and to be notified first when a new episode is available. 
the thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Quantum Leap podcast, Baron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap podcast is edited by Albie. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is property of Belisarius Productions and Universal TV. No infringement is intended. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production. Pressured to lose uh, to prove his theories or lose funding. Pressured to lose. Uh, pressure to. Pressure to. I hate that I didn't pick up on that because I'm. Say that's that differently. <laughs> I know. I'm Instagramming that I'm podcasting and I'm tagging the Quantum Leap podcast. Cool. There's no at Quantum Leap podcast on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we're Quantum. Oh, on Instagram, no. You got to okay. make it. I don't know what I'm saying. So they get to the Air Force Base and uh, they're having a little meeting and they decided to – Bird Dog decided to take – You can do it. Yes, I can. I have faith. Currently, I think. I don't watch that show yet. He's currently in JAG? Or uh, the other one. (laughs) I'm like, Uh, mm, I don't think you're right on that. C-S-I-C-C-N-C-I-S. N-C-I-S. Hey, the podcasts where I'm silly and delirious are more fun than the ones that I'm serious. I agree. So He's just, just like, whoa! It. Oh, and we're dead. Yes. <laughs> Should I say that again? Because sure. I said, yeah. what do I say? Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, boy. That's what he says all the time. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so. Just start every sentence with. <laughs> no, I can cut that out. So I gotta cut either one out. <laughs> but it's funnier if you start every sentence with. <laughs> so. Exactly. Just start every sentence like that. We can do it. It's, it's a big challenge. Five seasons, but it's 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 a great challenge. It's a big. Cha- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's funny, I right, Renny? So She's like, Daddy, I'm doing peekaboo. It's a great TV show. <laughs> All right. So every time I talk, you're going to laugh. I love you. 